we need to stop justifying ourselves in relation to the tested subjects. We, we are our own subject that is performance-based, that is not tested, and that is relevant if we're doing it correctly. Choir directors are creative, resourceful, dedicated, and sometimes completely out of ideas. Not to worry, the Choir Ninja Podcast is here with solutions you never saw coming. Get ready for some training, wisdom, and inspiration from the masters. Let Ryan Guth guide your journey to becoming a Choir Ninja. What's the best part about being a ninja? The gear. It's the nunchucks, the katanas, the throwing stars. It's the same for choir ninjas. The difference between an ordinary and a masterful performance may come down to your most basic and essential piece of equipment, your music folder. My Music Folders creates a superior product, and they do it with a smile. And because they are friends of the podcast, they have a killer deal for you right now. Get the bulk purchase price break without having to buy in bulk. So whether you have to restock your entire classroom or you just need to replace a few folders, you will get the best possible pricing on the best possible product. So like a ninja, sneak on over to MyMusicFolders.com and use the code NINJA when you check out. Today's episode is brought to you by SightReadingFactory.com. Do you hate teaching sight singing? Do you have a carbon footprint the size of Sasquatch because you run off endless sheets of sight singing examples only to hear your students groan in agony when it's time to sight sing in rehearsal? SightReadingFactory.com is a web-based tool that will compose custom sight reading examples based on specifications that you choose. Your choir will actually enjoy sight singing, and so will you. Plus, you will get back hours of your life and finally feel like the choir ninja you were destined to be. If that isn't cool enough, you can add student accounts that link directly to your teacher dashboard so your kids can practice or even take recorded assessments from home. As a sponsor of this show, SightReadingFactory.com has an exclusive deal just for you, Choir Nation. When you purchase their insanely affordable one-year subscription, you will unlock 10 free student accounts just for using the promo code NINJA at checkout. That's Ninja, N-I-N-J-A. So head over to SightReadingFactory.com. That's SightReadingFactory.com. And don't forget to use the promo code Ninja at checkout to unlock your 10 student accounts absolutely free. Hey there, Choir Nation. This is Ryan Guth with the Choir Ninja Podcast, and I am delighted to have with me today Justin Kathmull. Justin just recently graduated magna cum laude from Baldwin-Wallace University, and he has a bachelor's in music education and is currently serving as the choral director for grades 7 through 12 at Midview Local Schools, which is just west of Cleveland, Ohio. In addition, he serves as choir director at Bethel Lutheran Church and is the state advisor for the Tri-M Music Honor Society. He is a board member at the Ohio Alliance for Arts Education and is also a member of the Collaborative for Arts Education in Ohio, an Ohio native, he is a 2010 graduate of Midview High School, where he was a recipient of the National School Choral Award. Now, this after just reading this bio, Justin, it's hard to believe that you're 23 years old. That blows my mind. Uh, thank you for everything that you are currently doing uh, to be one hell of a choir ninja in Ohio. 
Thanks, Ryan. It's so cool to be on the show today. I'm really excited. So, Justin, how how did you find out about the Choir Ninja podcast? I mean, you are you're a patron of of the show. So, so yeah. how did you how did you find the Choir Ninja podcast? And and I'm I'm interested in knowing because I have actually haven't asked you that question yet. Sure. Um, well, I knew uh, we had sort of talked about knowing each other through uh, Westminster. Um, and so I, I knew uh, sort of of you and uh, our mutual friend, Braden Pontoli, actually, over at uh, Avon Lake. He's, he was my college roommate. And so uh, him and I were, uh, were talking about you one day and, and I uh, ran across your podcast and your, uh, your Facebook posts and things. And uh, I was hooked. I, I listened to one episode and, and I was on board ever since. I went back and listened to the ones before I started listening and it really, uh, it's my uh, car ride uh, back and forth from my church choir on Wednesday nights. It really is. It gives me that midweek uh, inspiration that I need uh, to sort of recharge. And, uh, and so it really brings a lot of value, which is why I, I am a proud patron, so to speak. Well, that's great. And, and th- say hello to Braden if, you, if I don't say hello first. Uh, Braden is a, is, a, is a great guy as well. Uh, he actually dog sat for me last year in Manhattan. So occasionally, yes. I'll, yes. occasionally when I was in Manhattan, I would throw up a, hey, who wants to stay in my really cool apartment for free for a week and just watch my dog? And, and I, I was able to get free house sitting uh, a lot because people just wanted to live in Manhattan for a week. Um, yeah. And, uh, and realize how ridiculously expensive it is to live in Manhattan, which is why I live in New Mexico now. So, um, so Justin, tell me a little bit about what we're going to talk about today and, and how you came to be a sort of music ed program advocate. I'm trying to think of the words here, but um, how did you get passionate about this subject? Sure. Well, um, as you, as people may have noticed in the bio, I teach at my alma mater now, um, and uh, it's really a cool, a cool place to be. The students are fantastic; they're hardworking, and I love being there. But I think what makes it uh, special to work there, and and to directly answer your question, um, there was a situation at my district where um, where we were having a hard time passing a levy, a funding levy. And in Ohio, uh, public schools are funded through a levy that's put up to the voters in the district. And it's uh, it's a yay or nay. And, if you know, 51 percent of the people say yes. You know, you get what was proposed in the levy. Um, And so it's essentially a tax increase. And uh, when I was a a senior in high school, um, there was several levies that had repeated um, uh, and had failed repeatedly. Um, And it would go up and there would be a new proposal and then it would fail again. And after each one, um, the district, the longer they were pushing forward with the old formula of tax money that was coming into the district, the, the more it wasn't working for them. And so over time, cuts happened year after year after year. Um, first, it was high school busing, um, and then it was more restrictions on, you know, copying or new hires or, you know, I, I mean, who knows? You know, it's 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 sort of a, a game as far as what gets cut um, and what's able to happen. Um, and then uh, continued to the cuts continued to happen as the levies continued to fail until finally about my sophomore year of college, 
Um, it got to the point where it was at an emergency, quote unquote, emergency levy. And if the emergency levy didn't pass, uh, K through six music, art and gym would be cut. Uh, libraries during the school day would be closed. All sports would be cut. I mean, it was very, very drastic. And it just came to the point where the district would not be the same. Uh, if this levy wasn't passed. And so I became very active. I went to the school board meeting. Um, I gave a public testimony about what the arts did for me at Midview. Um, and then I continued to contact some alumni I was friends with about voting via absentee ballots if they were off at college, um, because we all felt really strongly that that was important to the community. Um, and so the levy passed, uh, wow. thankfully. Um, and we sort of dodged a bullet there. Um, but I continued that really sort of lit the passion within me to continue and to not stop there. I mean, that was an instance where it was a reactive situation. We were we were reacting to drastic cuts. And I, I remember thinking, why can't we be proactive instead of reactive with mm -hmm. this and really work to show the importance actively to the community so that it doesn't have to come to an emergency situation like that again? Um, and so that led to me getting involved at the state level with the Ohio Arts Council and the Ohio Alliance for Arts Education um, and some other state level organizations. Uh, and now I'm back at Midview, where I graduated from, and uh, and I'm, I'm trying to do some of that grassroots work through my work as the choir director as well. Wow, that's okay. That's truly inspiring. And the fact that you're 23 <laughs> year old, 23 years old, just blows my mind. Um, so so rather than wait till the doo doo hits the fan. You, right. you're, we're, we're talking today about how teachers, choral directors, uh, music people in their community, you know, supporters of music in their community, can be proactive, right, and and make sure that they show, um, I guess, really p positive PR all the time for their program. Absolutely. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's great. I, and you know what? We had the same problem, <clears throat> pardon me, when I worked in New Jersey. Um, it started with, you know, the community voted no. And of course, it's so funny, I, I, and we could probably talk about this, but the people who seem to vote for the budget, and, and of course, school districts tend to put budget votes in, on some like random day. It doesn't happen during the presidential election. It doesn't happen during the major congressional uh, elections. It happens on some like random day in tax season. So people are already kind of pissed off about about taxes, right? And so they, I remember, I think it was April uh, in New Jersey, and uh, I'm, I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was April, and the senior citizens would come out and these are the people that didn't have kids in school and they would vote no, you know, and it was like, there were signs all over the town, you know, vote, just, just vote. No, you know, you got no kids in school, just vote. No. And what ended up happening was the stuff that was getting cut was, it ended up being stupid. It wasn't like the bloat that, you know, I mean, I'm a pretty limited government kind of kind of guy. Like, I like sort of like efficiency, and and the stuff that was being cut were not things that made sense to cut. It was like sensational things, things that were like, you know, that really got a reaction out of the community. Like, and right now we're experiencing that here in Albuquerque. Is they just said all middle school sports gone. You know, this is this year. Um, and same thing. I just got a letter. 
all first year teachers gone um, if you signed a contract in August. So, so like they try to, you know, they try to use these, these pieces, these emotional pieces to get the community to come out and, and, and vote. And, and sometimes it works for them and sometimes it works against them. And in New Jersey, it worked, it worked against us a few times and we lost programs. My schedule was basically slashed in half. I had an Ivy League, Ivy League, Ivy, Ivory Tower schedule in, in New Jersey where I was teaching, uh, where I saw my kids more than their math teacher. And, uh, I mean, this, this kind of thing is happening in communities all across the country. And the problem is that, yeah, like you were saying, we don't start talking about the benefits of our programs until the doo-doo hits the fan. Um, right. And then it's like almost, it's almost too late, you know, cause, because school boards and um, influential people in the community, mayors, town councils, and things like that, you know, they sort of go into, they go into um, these cuts with like a certain strategy that, that, you know, if we say this thing, we're going to cut this thing, then people are going to come out and vote this way. And, and it just seems like if we can sort of head these people off at the pass and, and like you were saying, be proactive, then... Right then we never have to let people play those emotional games with our pro with us and our programs and, and that kind of stuff. So right. I, I didn't mean to talk that long, but, um, and I will let you do the majority of the talking for this episode, but that's okay. That's but all right. It definitely, it's hitting home with me literally as we speak, because absolutely, um, I have a notice of non-renewal sitting in my, in my inbox because because we have a $26 million deficit and they're playing around with first year teachers and athletics right now in Albuquerque. So mm-hmm. it is what it yeah. is, you know, but, um, but what could we have done to, to stop that kind of thing? Right. So, right. So in, in your, what is proactive to you? What, what define what proactive is in, as far as this issue is concerned? Sure, sure. Well, I think, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this and it's made more sense now that I'm in front of students every day and we see the and we see the day to day workings of, you know, for example, the middle school and the high school choir program and the realities and how it's structured. I think proactive means that you've got to start from the ground up with your students first Um you talk a lot about buy-in on some of the different episodes. Oh my God, it's everything. It's like everything. Right, right. And so, you know, I came in, last year was my first year at Midview where I'm at now. I taught in another district uh, my first year of teaching. And so I came into a very well-established program. It was the program, it was, my predecessor was the teacher that I had had in that program. And so I knew what I was, what I was getting into going in. And, uh, and so, immediately from day one, you know, I brought an approach of, I know what you've had. We know music is important in this community. So let's agree that um, it's our music that's what's going to change people's lives. And I sort of unintentionally said that on the first day. um, And less than two weeks later, it was fascinating. I was, I'm very emotional. um, As we're, I, I get that from Dirk Garner, who we were talking about before. Um, oh, is but, he a crier uh, or is he a crier? Yes, 
he's a crier. Yes, and I, have, <laughs> I have become quite the crier myself. Um, in less than two weeks, that quote was painted on the podium. The kids stole my podium. They said, you're not allowed to see what we're going to write on it, but it's going to be a great surprise to you. And so my podium says, it's the music. At the end of it all, it's the music that matters. That's what will change lives. So that's become the sort of tagline for our department. And then a couple months later, a student designed a logo with that tagline. And so all of a sudden, within the course of a year, we've got the students having ownership of what the music means to them. And they've got T-shirts that they wear around the school that says it. They've, we, we painted a mural this summer in the back of my choir room that says it. It's on my podium. It's everywhere you look. And so there's no mistaking what the choral program stands for at Midview High School. It's everywhere. And so I think that's number one. You've got to have student buy-in that is, that is overt, that's not hidden, that's mm. overt. For every single person that walks through your room, whether they're an administrator, a teacher, a colleague, a student, a parent, anybody, they know what you're after. Okay, time out for a second. Number one, you have the coolest students I have ever heard of. I mean, to, for I them to do, wow! I hope you thank your lucky stars every day for those kids. That is that is awesome. And and number two, um, the fact that so this is almost like this is organically almost sort of by mistake that you've made this discovery, which is which is yeah. totally crazy. But but it ended up being like the ascent, the first and most essential piece, I guess, to this whole this whole equation. So right. So you you addressed your students on you know the beginning of school. This happened, right. um, and this is is this your first year this year or second year? No, last last year was my first year at the district. So okay. the story about the podium and everything that was last school year. So now I'm in my second year there. Okay, so did you do something at the beginning of this year like that is like? like in completely intentional was there a unit in your in your lessons about this concept or is it just sort of known at this point um that's a great question i i the first day of school well first of all the first day of school the kids walk in and saw the new mural at the back of the room with the giant logo and so that was awesome because it it sort of brightened the room up we repainted the wall behind it and it and it was awesome um there was something painted there before, so it was still decorated, but they, they noticed the change. Um, but then the first day of school, I actually had them, um, I just gave them all blank index cards, and I had them finish the phrase, it's the music, dot, dot, dot. And I said, we know our tagline is a choir is, it's the music that change, changes lives, but I want you to finish the statement for yourself. And uh, Ryan, the, the responses I got were, were unbelievable. I mean, they were so insightful and they were so personal. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's the music that makes me who I am. It's the music that makes me come to school every day. It's the music. I mean, I could go on and on about how different and yet all relevant they were. I mean, nobody, nobody sloughed off that assignment. I mean, they were, they were really intentional about it and it set the tone for the first day. Do they uh, share? Um, you know, no, I didn't do that part, to be honest. I, I mean, I'm I, not sure if it makes I, sense to, but, you know, to share with right. each other unless people really, really want to. Because um, right. I guess it could get very personal. Um, right. Um, but so it was, right. it was between you and the students at that point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that is an exercise that I think no matter what time of year, because, um, you know, there are kids, you know, because we are, we are f sort of 
coming rounding out the 2016-2017 school year right now and even the choral year for your church or your community ensemble this would still be a great exercise um absolutely it, it would even be something great to share at a at like a concert or something um where kids maybe would you would speak um about that or do a little video a little video montage to share at your concert um, that where your choir members, again, this could be your community choir, could be your, your school choir, share their answers to that. It's the, it's the music dot, 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 right? Is that the, that's the prompt? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is, Justin, I already know this episode is going to be like a big one. Like I already know it's going to be shared like crazy. I can tell you that already. Um, so, okay. So number one, Right, so you have this buy-in. Okay, right. what what is what is number two? How do you keep? I guess how do you keep that feeling buoyant all year round? Sure, um, I could go one of two ways with this one. Um, I'll start with the one that that is is most solid and grounded. Uh, um, I think it's connecting. It's connecting with community stakeholders, um, and by that I don't necessarily mean your administrators. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's so important to, to bring some sort of validation from the outside to what you do, um, whether that's a guest, whether that's an ensemble. I, I mean, it could be small, it could be big, but aimed at giving your students a credible experience, uh, a really solid, memorable music experience, but also something that's going to get the attention of the community. Like, hey, something unique is really going on here, uh, and we better pay attention. Um, and, and I just got off the phone with uh, a community partner before this episode, and we were talking about this, um, which I think it's why it's so fresh in my head. I just partnered with Tuesday Musical in Akron, which is a, a nonprofit organization that works to bring in guest artists to the city of Akron for concerts. Um, but there's a portion of their education program that involves bringing the guest artists into the schools. Uh -huh. um, and so I, they had a string quartet that was in residence this year. And so I received an email from the executive director at the beginning of the year. Hey, I'd love to bring the Escher quartet out to your school. Uh, here are the dates. How does this fit with your concert schedule? And at first I replied and I said, you know, the year is really already planned, but I'll sort of keep this in the back of my mind if we can make it work. Well, it turns out it overlapped with uh, our elementary honor choir concert um, that I serve as sort of the guest clinician for at the high school. But it's prepared by the elementary uh, choir directors, of uh, general music teachers and choir directors. And so all of a sudden, an honor choir concert that was already exciting for these fifth and sixth graders was now... Uh, joined with a performance by the Escher Quartet, and they were able to do two pieces combined with them. Whoa, uh, really? At the, end of the concert. Yeah. And so, this is a professional string quartet that's played at Carnegie, that's played at the Lincoln Center, that tours internationally. And here they are performing on the Midview High School stage in Grafton, Ohio. Um, and so, it's, it's linking with those community stakeholders. And, and, and I really, I, I'm really of a firm belief that, that it's not that difficult. To make something like that happen. No, it, sounds, it really isn't. I realized that it sounds impressive and it was a brilliant experience for all of the students involved, but it's not, it wasn't difficult. It was a couple of emails and it was, and it was making sure that logistics were, 
were in order and that the music was was delivered and mailed and right. all of that. And that's about it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, we, we just had Voches 8 here in Albuquerque. And, and like, it was awesome. just set up through a local church. And the local church said to some of the high school programs, you know, you want in. They'll come to a clinic. I mean, that's a huge. It's a huge deal, you know. And that, but it would. It took replying to an email, right, and and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah. I mean, if you, and I, I think maybe, I don't know. Maybe maybe do choral directors that serve in you know in sort of the trenches feel like these these professional these the prof- professionals or the you know professional ensembles or professional conductors are made of porcelain and and not reachable. Like, I mean, you could literally, from the people I know, I'll tell you, because I've interviewed now, oh my God, like a hundred people that are at the top of their game. Yeah. You can email any of them. And if they're passing through your area, they'll probably stop by, you know, because, because we all have the same goal. We all have the same goal. And uh, that's the beautiful thing about the choral world is we want to see the art uh, flourish. And and and, and doesn't matter wh- how high you are in your game, you, we all we, we all have the same goal. So, so yeah, I'm so okay. So connecting the community, I'm just trying to sum up your points here. So connecting sure. the community with like great PR opportunities is that yes, is that kind of where think we're going? That's part of it. Okay. Yeah, I, I really think that's it. And and the other you, we've got a closed loop, I think, then on the PR perspective, because then you've got to communicate that to the community, whoever wasn't there or, you know, oh, at that's least true. Make sure people hear about it. So, you know, whether that's social media, I mean, you know, I have a choir uh, Twitter that I post pictures. I wish I could. I wish I used it more frequently, to be honest. Um, but um but it really serves to communicate well to the community. Um, in, yeah. in our area, we have what's called the Rural Urban, which is sort of a community-based newspaper that goes out to the different townships. Mm-hmm. And that's really an effective way. Um, and I, I again, it, these are things that I give suggestions, and I really need to follow my own advice because I wish I submitted more to those things as well. Mm-hmm. But it's really an effective way. You've got to look at how your community takes in their information. A lot of people are reading the rural urban because it comes to their mailbox on Saturday morning and they read it while they're drinking their Saturday morning coffee. Mm -hmm. And they look at the local, the really local news, what's happening in one township over here versus this township over here. I mean, that's how our community is structured. And so um, that's where a lot of the people get their news about what's going on. So, right. You know, it, it goes to show that the best programs from a PR standpoint are not always the ones with the choirs that sing the prettiest. It it really it comes it comes down to the community's perception of of the program. Abs. Yes. Right. So so I you know have summed it up better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think we use the wrong metric sometimes as choral directors. You know, we we pretty much think about like what the end result is of the sound that we hear coming back to us on stage on concert night, and we're not looking at the full picture. Which is, well, first of all, the community for the most part, and I'm sorry to say this, the community for the most part doesn't give a crap what you're singing. They could give a, they could care. They don't. They don't care what Monteverdi madrigal you are doing and how fantastic your vowels are. They don't, no parent walks away going, 
damn, those ah vowels were just so beautifully blended. They all, they go, you know, in New Jersey, my daughter looks so good last night on stage. You should have seen it. Like, it's not about the music. It's all about no. how the kids felt or how the choir members felt or how the audience felt, how they walked away yes. from the experience or what they read in the damn paper. Because right. if you've never been to you know a Midview local school's concert, if you keep seeing them pop up in the paper, you, you uh, as a community member, you're going to go, there must be some good stuff happening over at Midview Local Schools. So when the budget comes up and they're talking about axing this thing or that thing, you're going to vote no because clearly there's good things going on there. Right, right. Well, you'd vote yes. That's the funny part. You want you want the program to stay. So in Ohio, it means vote yes. Vote anyway, yes. Right, right. right. You're, you're going to vote in support of the thing that you keep seeing pop up on your radar right. over and over again. Right. So I guess your your strategy then is – I like summarizing people's uh, strategies. Okay. Your strategy then is to create FOMO in anybody who's not a part of your program, right? You know, Are you familiar with the term FOMO? I – Fear of missing so. out. Me right yes. Yes. Right. Yes. Fear yes. of missing out. Right. So you do you do something awesome at your school or your 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 community or your choir, or whatever, and then you just talk about it. You create buzz around that thing, yes. and yes. then the community has FOMO because, like, man, I wish I had been at that concert. Or I wish yes. I had gone to now, that event. Can I interject real quick? Because there's no. A, this there's is your a, episode. A you interject all you want. <laughs> okay. So this is a this is a perfect example of that of that phenomenon, right? I just had this a couple months ago with something else. Um, I my kids kept coming in and saying, uh, "Hey, can we use your piano? We just want to like play around on it a little bit." And I thought, "Okay, we'll try this out." But you know, I was skeptical at first. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I realized I had a couple people who were coming in to write use the piano to, to literally write songs after school. And it happened on a very regular basis. Um, and very quickly, I, I picked up on the fact that there were lots of talented songwriters that were doing this on their own, at home, here at the school, lots of this. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, how can we translate that into what's going on within the curriculum? And so I found a way to start a songwriting class for next year at the high school um, by sort of tweaking the structure of my choral program a little bit, because I don't have, I mean, I'm, I'm the seven through 12 choir director, so I don't really have a lot of room in the established structure right now of mm -hmm. my choirs. And so I knew by making this choice, I was sort of sacrificing a little bit, but not a lot. What I did was I combined my women's chorus and my men's chorus and into a sort of a freshman level for next year. It'll be sort of a freshman entry level uh, SATB group. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of choir directors, if you're listening, you're like, why in the world would you sacrifice your opportunity for gender separate choir? Well, to me, I, I'm sacrificing it so that I can have more interest overall in what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And if that is successful, then let's, you know, then let's talk some more. Then let's, then let's look at all these people who are now interested in music because of this new class. So yes. I think the phenomenon I wanted to say is I didn't do 
one thing to advertise, advertise that class besides put it in the course catalog. Mm-hmm. Not one thing. I told the two songwriters that originally, who are now seniors, I told them what I was doing, and it was entirely word of mouth. There were 28 seats in the class, and it, it is uh, 24 students signed up for it. And I didn't tell one, didn't do one thing about it. It was a brand new class. I didn't say one word about it. Yep, and there, and those and, 24 kids. When you have your first songwriters concert at your school, yep, you're gonna have you're gonna have the local paper. You're gonna have these people. They're gonna go, wow. There are kids at this school that are that like write their own music. That's crazy. Which doesn't sound totally crazy for us because many of us probably have written our own stuff or. It's just not that special, you know, to to write your own music because I mean we're in that world. But for a, sort of the lay person to hear about what Justin's doing at the school, and he started a songwriting um, class, and now they're having a a concert of some kind, you know, uh, I think it's you're gonna the the local the people in the area are gonna be like, that's ridiculous. That sounds awesome. I mean, there's kids that are that talented at that program that are writing their own music. Not that they're singing other people's music in the choir program that every other school in the country has. This is a this, you know, this is special. This is something really special. And it's probably right. also a really great recruitment tool for your choir as well. Because I'm sure you're gonna have people that are gonna gonna inquire with you about joining the choral program as well. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. So it just furthers that point of it's about the perception of what the community has of what you're doing. Um, and if you can get them on board, um, that's the proactive, I think, circling back. That's what I mean by proactive. You're, you're, you're getting the kids excited, the students, and then they're making the community. I mean, the community has no choice but to have that uh, FOMO syndrome because the kids are so unbelievably excited about what's going on. There's so much buy-in that c- the community can't help but notice. I, I I don't know if you can tell Justin, but I'm like really excited about this. I don't know. Can you can you tell? I, I really am. <laughs> you know, there's this amazing sort of hive mind that comes together uh, through through something like a podcast. You know, and and. F- you're, it's like a it's like a mastermind group, you know. It's a, it's a group of people that are always sharing ideas, and you know, you're coming together with something that if people implement in their in their own communities, will save their potentially save their job, make sure that that students receive a thorough music education and are able to keep a music education throughout, you know, their entire schooling potentially create lifelong lovers of music, um, patrons in the future, um, and, and things like that, and supporters of, of the program. And eventually, I guess if you re- are really proactive long enough, you will become a, um, a fixture in that community that will never, that will never go away. Cause, because right. then the voters are going are to go, Hell no! I was a part of that program. I was in that first songwriting class, and no, it's that that program is going nowhere. Right, and right. It's a squeaky right. wheel that gets the grease, and maybe we're not squeaky enough. Um, I, I agree. I just, I just got a new patron today who has never listened to my show, and she, wow. she pledged at the two dollar per episode level, and. 
Uh, she's never listened to my show, but she she um, read a blog post that I wrote about two years ago, a little more than two years ago, before I even started the podcast. And it was called Musicians, Your Life is Your Fault. And it was a, and it was all about about, you know, you kind of reap what you sow. And if as long as you go into um, your profession with like, yes, music is the underdog subject. Yes, you know, we are, you know, the quote unquote, not to not to offend you, redheaded stepchild, you know, <laughs> uh, um, you know, of, of subjects. Like as long as you go into to your profession with the scarcity mindset, the mindset that that eventually one day somebody's going to not appreciate your program, and eventually you're going to have to defend your program, then you will you will you will become this self fulfilling prophecy, and you will be uh-huh. a barista at Starbucks because because you just willed your program down the toilet, and right. and. You know, so she found that article, which I'm like, I didn't even know that article was like still out there. But apparently, <laughs> she was she was looking for some music, you know, music profession advocacy stuff. And apparently, I rank on Google or something. But all right, but you know, she said, I just, I, I wish musicians would understand that like, that we do not have to be that subject, you know, and we don't have to be the people who are the beggars all the time. And the reason why, let's say, right. sports, um, you know, wh- the reason why sports is, is you know, always gets all the money is because s- people in sports don't act like victims all the damn time. Like, correct, they're proactive. They are, you know, they're the, you know, they're the ones selling the calendar at lunch that has, you know, the one page sponsored by the electrician and the one page that's sponsored by the local sign printer and the one page like they're going out there and they're gaining support from their community and so they don't ever have to defend themselves. But like well, we operate kind of from this defensive posture instead of this proactive posture which you're talking about here. Right. Well, and I think that has to do with how we justify it. I mean, I, I will say this. We should be ready to justify what we do when asked. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just natural. I think, I think we all have to have a healthy amount of why are you relevant? I ask my kids that question a lot. Why, uh, why is choir relevant in 2017. Mm-hmm. And I think if we're not asking ourselves that question, we become irrelevant. Sure. I mean, it, it, it just happens. And so I think the danger to, to piggyback off of what you said, though, as far as the redheaded stepchild subject um, <laughs> is we're not we're not a, we should not justify ourselves, first of all, in relation to other subjects. And, and this is something that I think our field argues about all the time. Music makes you better on your SAT score. Music has higher math scores. Music has higher reading scores. Okay, great. I love it. That is not the reason that we are in the school to make the test scores better. That's true. We function as our own subject, and we need to stop justifying ourselves in relation to the tested subjects. We we are our own subject that is performance-based, that is not tested, and that is relevant if we're doing it correctly. And 
and it's just something that is needs to be communicated clearly. Um, you can tell I get I get pretty no, fired up about Justin, that. Justin, so. <laughs> no, you preach because because that is like the basis for like ev- for everything, and I and I think everybody can agree on that. I, I you know whether it doesn't matter right. what side of the political spectrum you're on, it doesn't matter how old you are or how, whether you're millennial or whether you're in this philo- you know you you started in the in the aesthetic philosophy of music education and now we're you know it doesn't matter what where you are on the spectrum of thought in music education or politics or anything i think we can all agree um on, on on exactly what you what you just said. We don't need to justify ourselves into how we complement everything else because music stands on its own. It stands on its own, and if you're right. and if you're relevant, uh, and, and relevant means that yes, you might have to sacrifice your your gender, um, you know, separated ensemble for a songwriting class because. Hey kiddos, times change and kids kids are looking, you know, for um their own creative outlet. Uh yeah, you know, and, and it might be songwriting, right? They see their the you know, the YouTube stars that are that are becoming really popular and on their own and they 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 would love to, you know, they would dream of of a following like that, you know, and so songwriting class is what's going to get him there. And it's so I guess things change. What is relevant is fluid. And and we got to stay on top of that. And Justin, I mean, this is like this is this is the best episode. I mean, this is such a good episode. I'm <laughs> if this if this is not in every music teacher's back pocket, you know, uh I think this is one that people need to come back and listen to time, time and time again, and it needs to be shared with instrumental music teachers, with general music teachers. This is not a choral episode at all. No. By any means. Uh-uh. And, I mean, Justin, you need to get your butt ski out there and, and, <laughs> and present at some conferences. I think because I think the music education world needs a little tough love and how they treat yeah. and how they treat their own subject when it yeah. comes to advocacy because because we 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 de- we tend to be the you know shaking the shaking the cup on the street corner um when it, when it, psychology sort of shows that we tend to give support to things that already have support you right. know when you it's it's much easier for a celebrity to get a free meal even though they don't need they don't need a free meal because they have enough money for a free meal, right? So if you start sort of self-affirming that it, what you do stands on its own, it affects lives, uh, and it, it changes lives, then what your thought process will eventually turn into this self-fulfilling prophecy that will will itself into existence, you know? And Absolutely. then people will believe you. You have to, and it's the whole buy-in thing. If you if you don't if you can't sell yourself on the idea, there ain't no way you are selling anybody else on it. Not you know? at all. So it's like a, if you walked into the Mercedes-Benz dealer and the guy was like, yeah, this car is like, okay. You know, the dealer, the sales guy was like, yeah, you could buy it if you want. It's like, ah, eh, it's all right. It's like, take it or leave it. Well, you're never going to buy that car. So why right. should you talk about our profession that way? Exactly. Well, and I think... 
you know, I think if people want to dig deeper into this, the, the book that I put in my notes is, uh, is Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Um, Hallelujah. And, right. And so I actually did do an advocacy presentation on that and how that philosophy can apply to our profession. And I think this, that's, this is my theory about our profession. We have too many. We can't agree on our why. Or worse yet, we don't know our why as our teacher. We can't, it's so abstract that we can't put it into words. And that's the whole theory of Simon's book is that if you go through life without a why and you're constantly thinking about the how and the what, the how and the what is meaningless mm -hmm. without a why. Agreed. And so you've got to dig deeper. You've got to dig into that middle circle. You know, in, in his book, the middle circle is the why and then the how is, is outside of why and then the what is the outer circle. Mm -hmm. And it, it, the circle falls apart without the why in the middle. It's, it, it's, it's just not there. And so you've got to find your why. Why are you in your school? Why are you teaching music to these specific kids? Why are you, I mean, all of this. Mm -hmm. We've got to answer those questions for ourselves. <clears throat> yeah, and what, what, right. So like, and I, I, if you really want to dig deep, 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 and this takes a lot of alone time to understand, I think. But, you know, what is it that you want as a as a as a individual human being on this planet what is your goal and is teaching at that school or directing that choir or living in that town or is that is that getting you closer to your goal and in like this sort of scarcity mindset that i want to rub out of the choral world and the music world altogether you know yeah you got a job well, did you get? Did you take the first job that was offered to you? Okay, are you going to stay there for twenty five years? Do you need to stay there for twenty five years? Is is that you know maybe you stayed there for a year? And I'm kind of feeling like this right now. Is you know you stayed there for a year and you're looking and going okay are these is this administration or is this clientele? Are these the people that are getting me closer to my personal why? And are you willing to give that up and and risk risk, you know, giving that up to go to go try another choir, another school, someplace else that gets you closer to your own personal why? So we have our own why, and we have sort of the why of music, and and we have to sort of juggle this like. Yeah, so I have this opportunity and I was given this job but like does this really get me closer to my own thing or am I just taking this job because it's money and it's safety and it's security? When truth of the matter is is that when you are when you are true to yourself and you take a little risk and you maybe, you know, you put yourself out there and you do something new and different uh, or, or you say no to an opportunity that comes up, a lot of times another door opens that gets you closer to your why, which is exactly Absolutely. why I ended up in New Mexico and which is, which is exactly why I'm, I'm really thinking that New Mexico might actually not get me closer to my why. Um, as far as, as far as the music ed world is concerned, you know, so like you have to always think about your own why, and then the why of your pro of your program at the same time. And are you, are those two things in, in 
you know, symbiosis or, or, or some uh, fancy word like that. Absolutely. So that's, that's exactly it. Yeah. So everybody needs to read Simon Sinek. Start with why. Okay, that is your Absolutely. that is your homework. And you know what? If the music ed world um, will not figure out their own damn why, then you know what. I said damn like three times. Do I need to use the explicit tag on iTunes for this? I don't now? know. God, I hope I not. want my I want my stu- my students are going to listen to this, Ryan. They're great. So we need to make Good. sure that <laughs> I'm referring to the kind of dam that blocks water, you know, uh, okay. uh yeah, creates great. a little lagoon. <laughs> um so so <laughs> the if the music ed world's not going to figure it out on their own, then guess what? We have Choir Nation. And Choir Nation is going to figure out their why, and we're going to choose to not be a why based on everybody else's subjects, but our own. Right? How we complement other subjects. Yes. We're gonna we are going to choose to have a why that stands on its own as a shining beacon of light into the world of amazing human beings that share in choral music uh, with us, and uh, you know. I, I, I don't know. I'm 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 almost speechless. I'm not speechless at all. But I I, I just I think this is a great episode, Justin. I you bl- you're blowing me away. You're blowing my mind in so many ways here. I just there's gonna be a part two. I know there's gonna be a part two. And oh, I love that. Choir Nation. I mean, Justin is 23. Justin does not have a doctorate in music ed. He doesn't need one. He is not an elitist snobby pants. Justin is a regular from the trenches, choral director, fresh out of college with some very big picture ideas. And uh, I think we need to, to grasp what that is and how amazing that is and support Justin and really take what he has to say um, to heart and, and, implement some of these strategies uh in our own community um so so justin i mean what what else am i missing is there any other parts that i'm missing i mean we are coming up on about you know 50 minutes but i'm okay going further because i think this is such an important an important episode what else what else am i missing what else do we need in order to be proactive i think i think you've got to be connected at your local and state level with the policymakers, I think that's the one part of this that we've we've haven't gotten to yet. Um, you have to, um, and it's different. It's different for every locale and every state. But you've got to at least be aware of what's going on. Um, you've got to you've got to know. First of all, you need to know who your board of education members are, your school board level. Um, you've got to know who those stakeholders are. You need to invite them to your concerts. You need to update them frequently. You need to go up to them and have a conversation with them when you see them. It's all of those things. Mm-hmm. But you also need to link, I think, to whatever state organization you've got. Um, but the one I'm involved with right now as a board member is the Ohio Alliance for Arts Education. Um, and, and really what that is, it's, it's a meeting of the minds. It, it really helps facilitate all of this around the state. And there are a lot of organizations. We've got the Ohio Arts Council, the Ohio Citizens for the Arts. And so in Ohio, there's a lot of options and there's a lot of ways to get involved. And, and, and what's, what I find really great about how Ohio is structured is that those organizations are linked 
to our state music education association as partnering organizations. So you don't have to look very far at your state music conference, at least in Ohio, to see the representative from the Ohio Alliance or to see the uh, executive director of the Ohio Arts Council. They're very visible people in Ohio. And, and I realize that might be different in each state. Sure. But these are the people you need to go talk to. These are the people that you need to brainstorm with. These are the people that you need to tell your problems to. Because as you just demonstrated at the beginning with the Albuquerque and, and focusing on first-year teachers in middle school athletics, every situation is different. Every district situation is going to look different. It's, it, these districts are not cookie cutter and our issues are wide and varied. And I think it's really important for our policymakers and our legislators, haven't even gotten to them yet, but our legislators at the, at the local and the state level, and really even at the national level, to understand that, to understand that the arts have an impact wherever the community lies mm -hmm. in the nation, and, and that our issues are different, our issues are varied, and all we need, really, I would, uh, this, it sounds so simple, but all we need is, is something that requires, to me, requires music study K through 12. And there's so many places that that policy doesn't exist. You know, we survive on the fact that students can choose an elective 7 through 12 in mm -hmm. high school in Ohio. And, and, and I use the word survive because, you know, when we get to that dire situation of a levy, that's what we go down to. We go down to the bare minimum requirements of the state. Well, if we held the bar a little higher for ourselves and we made those requirements a little more uh, broad and a little bit more far reaching, we'd be in a different place. Mm -hmm. And so policies, to me, do have an impact at the state level. And we can do so much at the state level to help impact those policies. Can I add one thing? Yeah. I think that we need to spend a little more time helping each other in the music world. Because if you think oh, about yes. it, yes. If, if, you, if you are concerned, and this has come up in, in the podcast before, about sort of the zero-sum game, right? A win for... Ridgepoint High School down the street, uh, you know, is a loss for Midview High School at the other end of the street. Not at all. Like, right, this choir sings better than me. Man, I wish they would not sing so well. Like, no, 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 hang on a second. Like, you want, and I'm going to give a shout out. We have a great program in Albuquerque, um, La Cueva High School. Great program in Albuquerque, El Dorado High School, cool. great program in Albuquerque, you know, um, Volcano Vista, another great program uh, in Albuquerque. And um, I'm glad that my my colleagues have great have great choirs. And I would venture to say that they they have m much better established choirs than I was able, well, I'm able to have in one year, I guess. But, but I mean, this, but there's a, there's a certain level of insecurity in all of us that creeps in that goes, man, you know, I'm comparing myself to everybody else. And I, I, God, I wish, if I heard them sing, I really, really wish they would sing just a little bit crappier than, than me, just a, just a hair crappier than my choir, <laughs> you know, so that, so that I at least feel better about like what I'm doing. But the problem is that like, if you sort of wish for crappy on other people, eventually there's going to be a policymaker or a stakeholder that's going to that's gonna go to their concert you know, when they were on their, when they were doing their crappy concert because you, you wished it upon them. Right. And they're, <laughs> and they're going to see that they're going to go, well, if that's what choir is, I don't really think that's that important, you know? So I really think we grow 
more safe when we grow together and we move up together. Like a win for the choral world. I mean, a win for one choir is a win for the entire choral world. Um, Absolutely. Because there's going to always be somebody important. Um, and, there, and there always is somebody important sitting in your audience. Like every single person in your audience is important because they're the people that are going to be your students. They're the people that are going to be your, your, you know, your voters. They're the, you know, they're the people that are going to be you know, policymakers. And they're going to be the parents that bring cake in after, you know, after your successful performance. Like there's everybody in the audience is somebody yep. that will potentially propel your career forward and propel music forward in the community as well. So, so don't wish negative things to your colleagues, you know, right. Um, you know, don't get jealous of your colleagues that are successful. Instead, reach out to your colleagues that are successful and say, Hey, how can I be successful like you? And you'll make friends, you'll make friends like a snap. Um, yep. And you'll have a mentor there and, and you'll have somebody that will advocate for your program as well. So, uh, huge, huge, big idea things today, Justin. This is, this is great. This is required listening. This is going to be required listening for every college music major in the country. Damn it. We're going to, we're going to put it out there and seriously, choir okay. nation. If you, if you gain something from this episode, um, I, I really, I really hope that you share it. Uh, because like I said, this is not a zero sum game. We all win together. Uh, and, and if we could take the wisdom from a 23 year old, uh, Justin and Justin, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm we'll, we'll, we'll keep you humble, you know, after this one. Um, cause of course there's so much to learn. Uh, especially as a brand new teacher. But if a 23-year-old brand new teacher has this type of insight, um, that's, that's just a really encouraging thing to see in the choral world. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited for your generation to be out there teaching. Um, as a, somebody who's a decade older than you, uh, I'm, I'm, very, <laughs> I'm very excited to see your generation out there doing their thing. You're not as entitled as we all thought you were. So, uh, Justin, thank you. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to say before we round it up? We're coming up on an hour. So, um, I, I, I want to make sure that we're, we're, uh, sensitive to choir nations, uh, time. Sure. No, I would just say exactly just echo what we've said already. You, you're, you are that self-fulfilling prophecy. You have to believe every day when you walk into school. And I, I really do feel blessed to still have this feeling every day. Um, and I know it's not always consistent, but you've got you've to know when you walk in the door every day, you know why you're there and you know that you can make a difference in these kids' lives through what you do in the classroom. And, and we can't ever lose that spirit. And the spirit, that spirit's going to be present in various ways. And we're always going to be feeling different day to day, but you've got to keep that spirit at the foundation. You can't, you can't ever let go of that. And I think that's the, that's the best sort of bow I can put on it is that you've got to always be thinking that way when you go into your school. Well, if you are looking for people to keep you in that mindset, there is no better group of people out there than choir nation. 
Absolutely. If you go to Facebook, join Choir Nation, you'll find Justin there, you'll find me there, and you'll find a bunch of other choir directors in that group that that will positively encourage you, uh, that will help you, that won't judge you, and that will make sure um, that you have whatever whatever you need when the going gets tough or when you just want to share a win. You're going to have people that are going to be behind you cheering you on. So uh, if you want to go over and join Choir Nation, you'll, you'll find Justin there. If you want to follow up uh, with Justin on anything, uh, you know, just tag him in a, in a post in the, in the group and he'll be happy to respond. Uh, Justin is an active member of that, of, of that group. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Choir Nation. Obviously want to thank our two sponsors, mymusicfolders.com. Uh, which, by the way, if you want to know two awesome people, John and Robin Rose, who run that company, uh, they are people that you should spend all your budget money with. Maybe maybe not all of it, but a big chunk because they're the nicest people ever. Uh, and we are about to begin the process of creating the ultimate Choir Ninja music folder. Literally, it's going to be a branded choir ninja folder that is going to that is going to come from the input of the members of choir nation like if you think that there needs to be you know a a a kleenex holder in your folder or if you believe that there needs to be there needs to be a mini toaster inside your folder okay you're going to come in you're going to jump in and you're going to give input because my music folders is going to create what we come up with and it's going to be sold as the ultimate choir ninja folder um so so that is like something brand new so mymusicfolders.com go there spend your budget money use the code ninja at checkout and you'll get what they call last column pricing or best pricing which means it's basically if you if you order over 100 folders um you'll get that price you get that for whatever you order um, with the code ninja at checkout, and same thing with Sight Reading Factory. If you if you uh, support Sight Reading Factory, they're, again they're another sponsor of our show. Uh, Sight Reading Factory is a game changer uh, for people's programs. Justin, do you use it? I do. I do. That's I. I literally. I think it's it's becoming like unanimous. Like I've been asking people, like, do you use it? All of my guests, do you use it? And they do. So sightreadingfactory.com. Uh, use that. As well, promo code NINJA, you'll get 10 free student accounts. You could buy Sight Reading Factory with your own money. Even if you're poor, it's cheap and it's worth it. And you'll get those 10 student accounts. So you'll send your kids to Allstate and they will be able to sight read like bandits. Um, and you'll, you'll be really cool. And when you, you know, of course, when you send 10 kids to Allstate and all 10 kids make it, um, you better darn well write a press release about it so that you can do what Justin and I have been talking about for the last hour. So Yes, you will. Yes, so you go will. to sightreadingfactory.com, use the promo code NINJA, uh, and go to uh, my music folders and use the promo code NINJA, and you'll support what we're doing. And if you want to support the show as a patron, like I said, Justin is a patron of the show. Um, if you want to support that, just go to patreon.com forward slash choir ninja. And for less than a Starbucks a month, uh, you can... Make sure that we have the resources we need to keep this this baby going strong. So, uh, Justin, thank you. Um, Choir Nation, thank you for listening. And 
share share away. This is a great this is a great episode, Justin. I'm I'm I I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Ryan. It was it was truly a pleasure. Quiet Ninja Show. Bung, bung.